Three weeks ago, we began a series called Fighting Words. If you are new with us, wanted you to know that and be a part of that, uh, we began by saying that we are in a spiritual battle every moment of every day. And because of that, we must make decisions at times to be prepared for the fight, or we simply say, you know what, I'm just going to go into the fight unprepared. And we talked last week that that would be unheard of for us to say, man, I'm just going to go into a battle unprepared. And so what we've been doing is each week, as a part of our teaching time, I've been giving you some fighting words, some scripture for us to memorize uh, over the last two weeks. We'll add another one for you today. I know some of you are going, man, two's, two's, two's good. Three might be pushing it, all right? We got a couple more weeks in the series, so we're going to add a couple more to you as we go along in this. But we kicked off the series with John 10.10, 10. and I'm going to make it easy for you. I'm going to put it up on the screen for you, so if you, if you know it, just don't look at the screen, all right? But if you're new with us this morning, we don't expect you to have it memorized because we didn't tell you ahead of time, right? John 10.10, 10. the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. See, I memorize it with the word more in it. And again, I want to challenge you. Some of you memorize scripture in a different version. Memorize it. Go for it. Um, as we place these verses as pillars for us in the middle of this fight. And then last week, we looked at the idea of fear. That every single one of us, at some point in life, if you haven't already, you're an amazing person. That if you've never experienced worry or fear or anxiety, um, but everybody else in the room has, if you're the only one in the room who hasn't. Uh, and we looked at numerous verses from the Old and the New Testament, and the verse that we sent you out of here was Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. And it says this, Fear not, for I am with you. Anybody? Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you by my righteous right hand. I love the promises in there. It's not dependent upon ourselves. It's dependent upon the Lord. He says, I will, I will, I will, I will. So there's plenty of things to fear, but trust in me and I will do what I'm going to do. So if you don't think you're in a spiritual battle every moment of every day, and so far you've gone, well, maybe I am in a spiritual battle, maybe I'm not. I'm going to give us our spiritual struggle for the week that we're going to wrestle through this morning. Um, I'm going to pray for us again um, because I believe it's one of these facets of our spiritual lives, emotional lives, sometimes even physical lives, that affect us every, every single person, sometimes every day. So I want to pray for us one more time. God, be with us as we enter your word. As we enter into a battle, God, I pray for distractions. I pray for things going around us, that we would just be focused on your word for these few moments together. In Jesus' name, amen. So the spiritual battle, the fighting words we're going to look at this morning are against the battle of forgiveness. Ouch, right? Forgiveness. Ephesians 4.32 is where we're going to begin and where we're also going to end. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Now, when I was growing up in elementary school, I distinctly remember uh, my teacher had a chalkboard, a chalkboard. It's a green board on a wall, and it has this stuff that sometimes squeaks when you write on it, right? It gets on your hands, kind of gritty. Um, and, and the teacher, we, you would go through the day, and if you had a moment where you misbehaved in class, then if you had a nice teacher, you'd get a warning. But if the teacher was in a 
maybe a, a little bit of a difficult mood that day, then the moment that you misbehaved, at least in my classroom going up, guess what? Your name got put on the board. This is not where you wanted your name to appear. Now, I, I want to make sure that, that you students in the room would understand and comprehend this today. And I, I talked to a couple of our teachers, and I realized that a lot of our teachers don't use this anymore, that they have a device, and they can post it on a screen or to your device, and you can instantly see that they've given you kind of credit for being really good, or you, you misbehaved in class, and you've talked in class. And I also learned, this is terrifying, that the moment that they do it, that some parents can see it instantaneously. That is terrible. That is terrifying to me. As this teacher was texting me pictures of all this technology, and she said, oh, and it's great. The teachers, the parents can get it almost instantaneously. I'm like, no, that was not cool in third grade, all right? I can't get away with anything in third grade at that moment. And so the teacher gets that information, shares it with them. But back in the day, back in the 90s, Excuse me, back in the 80s, let me be honest, all right? Back in the 80s, the teacher would write it on a chalkboard, and then the day, if it went downhill from there, you got what? You got a little hash mark, right? They'd walk over, and she'd put a little hash mark, or he, Mr. McDonald would walk over Bowers, you know, put a little hash mark there beside my name, and if you got a certain number of those, then you got the dreaded note in the bag, and if you got uh, more than that, then you got the dreaded, you're going to the principal's office. Now, the awesome thing was that unless your teacher was especially cruel, you walked in the next morning, and the board was what? It was clean. Whoo, praise the Lord, right? What a good feeling. You walk in the next morning, and somebody had, who was bad the day before had to stay afterwards and clean the board, right? And they cleaned the board, and it was all clean. Everything was wiped off. Your name wasn't up there. Does this mentality, it doesn't go away when we become adults. You see, you think we categorize that with kids, and we go, oh, we get a warning, we get a little check mark, but we do this as adults. We do this as adults. Your, your husband, if you're married, leaves the house, and right when he walks out the door, he says, oh, I forgot, I can't be home in time to take the kids to practice night, so if you can cover, come up, if you can cover that'd be great. Mark. Your child forgets their homework. They did it. You worked hard with them. You sat down. You got it all nailed down, and they forget to take their classwork to class. So you've got to drive back to school, drop it off, and they forget it, and somehow they still forget to turn it in. Check, check, right? You just keep marking them on there. You forget to whoever in your household pays the power bill, forgets to click send, or forgets to put the check in the mail, depending on how you pay your bills, and then you get one of those really lovely reminders from the power company that lets you know how long you have before they're going to add this to it or do this to it, and you figure out that somebody didn't pay the bill, and in your mind, you, you just check. A neighbor knocks over your trash can the day they're supposed to come pick up your trash. If you have trash service, depending on where you live in our county, depending on what you pay for, right? And they knock over the trash can, and they just leave it. Check, 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 Right? Your coworker promised to cover a shift for you. They forget the boss calls you. Check. Your minister forgets to visit you when you're having surgery. Check, 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 check. You laugh. And here's what we're thinking. If they messed up again, then we're done. 
if they, if they just continue and the wall goes up. And today I want you to wrestle with this line of thinking because this is the very line of thinking that Jesus is going to teach against. And not necessarily teach against, he's going to revolutionize this line of thinking. He's going to cast that line of thinking out because Peter is going to come to him, one of the disciples, and he's going to come to him and he's going to ask him some difficult questions. He's going to ask a question of Jesus and Jesus is going to blow him away with the answer. But see, here's what I know about this topic this morning. It's going to take us a while to get really digging into this. The check marks that some of you have for people in your life are massive. And they are there because there is legitimate hurt and pain. I'm going to be really sensitive today. I'm going to be really sensitive to your heart, knowing that emotionally, physically, spiritually, there are some pains and hurts in some of the hearts of you in this room this morning that I know are gigantic. And they are painful. And someone has hurt you. They've committed something to you. For some of you, it's all altered your entire life. And in your mind, in your heart, you got this name and you got the check marks and you're keeping score. One of the greatest spiritual battles we face daily is forgiveness. In the book of Matthew, Jesus is asked about forgiveness. Matthew chapter 18 comes right on the heels of offering forgiveness and so there's a continual conversation that's going on here verse 21 says then peter came up to him and said to him lord how often will my brother sin against me and i forgive him as many as seven times now peter's doing something awesome here he thinks how many times do i get to check their name on the board is it seven times now here's what peter's doing the, the rabbis of the day would have said, you forgive someone three times. So Peter's doubling that and adding one to it. So Peter's just, man, I'm just, whoo, he is graceful Peter, right? He says, oh, well, it's seven times. And Jesus rebuts and says, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Now, most believe because of the, the way this is written that it really can be equated to seven times 70, 490 times. Can you imagine Peter going, 490, that's a big board. I mean, I'd have to keep a book in my pocket all the time. And I'd just have to write their name down and, and keep up with that and make sure that, okay, that's number 378, 379. This is really hard, but this is what Jesus said. Here's what I want you to see. The conversations of Matthew 18 fit together, and forgiveness is going to be totally redefined in this moment. Forgiveness is now going to be defined as the decision to cancel a debt. See, Peter's scorekeeping. Jesus is canceling debt in forgiveness. Peter's just saying, hey, if they do it once, okay, I'll forgive them, I'll forgive them twice, I'll forgive them, I'll forgive them three times, five times, six times, seven times, seven, we're done. And what Jesus is going to show us is forgiveness is not about keeping score. It's about canceling a debt. And here's what he says in his reply. First, he says, therefore, verse 23, the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven. Before we read the rest of what he says, he is elevating this. 
He's taking this from earthly standards of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, keep the score. He's elevating this to a heavenly perspective. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven. So he's raising the standards here to say, Peter, I'm going to answer this in a way you've never considered before. I'm going to bring this up way up in your mind and in your heart. It's going to be way more challenging for you to consider when I get finished. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Since he could not pay, the master ordered him to be sold. His wife, his children, all that he had, and payment be made. Now, oftentimes Jesus would speak in parables because the disciples didn't get it any other way. He just had to bring the message down for them to understand. He said, the kingdom of heaven, let me give you an example. There's a master, there's a servant. He owes him 10,000 talents. It's tough to nail down talents the same as we would do in American currency, but most estimate that this is between 10 to 12 million dollars. 10 to 12 million dollars. This guy doesn't have a chance, does he? There's no way. I don't know how he came up with that much in the parable. Jesus went high, right? Let me make sure you understand. I'm going with the extreme here. I'm going as high as this guy could possibly imagine. He says, if you can't pay, I'll sell your wife. I'll sell you, your children. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I'll pay you everything. A couple things he's asking, isn't he? He says, have patience with me. And then he says, I'll pay you everything. No, you won't. If you could repay me for $12 million, you might have already done so. That's a lot of money. But the first part is what we need to see. He's begging him. He's down on his knees and he says, have patience with me. The word here is macrothemia. It means to be long-suffering. And here's what this word actually means. We need to see this. Long-suffering. It's the quality of a person who is able to take, to, to offer to avenge himself, yet refrains from doing so. The quality of a person who is able to avenge himself and refrains from doing so. So here's what he's asking to him. He says, Master, will you hold out patience on me? You have every right to do what you're about to do to me. I get that. It's all within your privilege. It's all within the role. It's all within the debtor relationship. But please have patience with me. And out of pity for him, verse 27, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Notice the kingdom of heaven teaching here. It's not scorekeeping. It's not, well, I'll forgive you this time, but I'll hold on to it. He forgave the debt. He canceled the debt. Forgiveness is making the decision to cancel a debt that someone owes to you, a debt-debtor relationship. He's saying, Master, you have the right, the means, the legal backing to destroy me. Don't give me what I deserve. Please. Please don't give me what I deserve. Verse 27, the master canceled the debt, an amount that was impossible for him to repay. At some point in your life, if it hasn't happened already, someone is going to wrong you many times. Probably already have, and the wounds, some of them are deep, and some of them are really fresh. 
Somebody owes you something. They've taken something from you emotionally, physically. Debt, debtor, relationship. And and every one of us are going to be faced with the the choice to extend mercy to someone, to forgive, to be patient. You have the legal, you have the emotional right to say, man, I'm holding this out against you. And what are we going to do in that moment? The story continues, but when the same servant went out, the forgiven servant went out, he went out with one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii, 12,000 of debt, 10 to 12,000 of debt. Seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. We've heard those words, haven't we? Be patient with me and I'll, I'll repay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. They went and reported this to their master, all that had taken place. The same words are used. Be patient with me. I'll repay you. Long-suffering. Don't avenge me. Give me a break. The table is quickly turned here in this parable, and it demands of us to ask the question, how will we react when we have the chance to forgive? How will you and I react when we have the chance to extend something, and here's the key, something that's already been offered to you on the greatest scale you can ever think to imagine. You've already been offered forgiveness through the blood of Jesus Christ, through the sacrifice of Jesus. You have been forgiven. Therefore, now you become that secondhand servant and you are stepping into daily relationships, daily hurts, daily emotions, and you are going to have a chance to be that servant how will we react when we have the chance to forgive forgiveness is the decision to cancel the debt then his master summoned him and said to him you wicked servant i forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me and should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as i had mercy on you and in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all of his debt So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. We could spend months on verse 35. And I don't want to take this passage too far, but I do want us to realize something, a difference between the first servant and the second servant and this relationship that they have. He ended up, the servant that was forgiven of his debt was canceled debt Guess what happened to him? His spirit of unforgiveness towards someone else landed him where? In imprisonment. An unforgiving spirit will lead to an emotional bondage, imprisonment. And I want to be so careful in saying this. Some of us are in a spirit of unforgiveness towards someone else that doesn't even know that we haven't forgiven them, that doesn't even know that they still hold that hurt against us. And what's happened in that moment is they're not in prison. You are. Bitterness has wrapped itself around you. Anger has wrapped itself around you. Guilt has wrapped itself around you. And you're holding it out thinking, I'll never forgive them. And they're just going on in life. Our attitude and moments of forgiveness are so crucial. Not just to those seeking forgiveness or those in need of our forgiveness, but to ourselves. 
The parable of Jesus is a game changer for forgiveness. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Is that enough? 490? No, no, no. Guys, kingdom of heaven teaching here. You keep on forgiving. As we enter into the fight of forgiveness, we've got to remind ourselves that the freedom found in forgiveness is rooted in Jesus, yet the currency of the enemy is guilt and bondage. Because here is what I've been reminded of this week in preparation for this. Forgiveness and mercy were made available to me first through Jesus Christ before I even knew I had the need. So let's elevate this story and let's take ourselves and put God the Father, our relationship to Jesus Christ, Master, us as that servant and that next servant as that person that you and I have yet to forgive. Let's look at it though through the lens of Jesus Christ first in our lives. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Ephesians 4, 32, Colossians 3, 12 and 13 says, Put on them as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against each other, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. The calling for those who follow Jesus Christ is to forgive, not because the other person deserves it, not because they've even asked for it, but because what Christ has already done for you. Remember, this is kingdom of heaven moment. This is not keeping score moment. This is kingdom of heaven teaching. Paul was speaking about once in a lifetime moment of forgiveness. Jesus Paul wasn't speaking about once in a lifetime. He's ongoing. Jesus was certainly not speaking of one-time forgiveness. He was changing the rules of forgiveness through his death upon the cross and offering forgiveness for every single one of us. Forgiveness runs contrary to our sense of justice and fairness. Biblical forgiveness frees me from being the judge and the jury. I love this in looking at Scripture. I love looking at Colossians. I love looking at Ephesians in a moment, looking at 2 Corinthians. I love that me being equipped with biblical forgiveness, it frees me from being the judge and the jury and worrying about, should they get forgiveness? Do they deserve forgiveness? No, I've been offered forgiveness. So I'm going to give it. Now please hear me when I say this. I want you to hear me. Please hear me say that in no way does biblical forgiveness call me or you to re-enter dangerous or harmful situations. This is not blind forgiveness where pain and hurt, physical, I'm not calling you to walk back into that relationship full of those pains and hurts. But I am asking you to release yourself from bitterness and rage and anger and hurt because Christ has already forgiven you. Now I want to ask you not to leave to go to the restroom, okay? You guys are being really, you're either really sleepy or really zoned in, all right? Can't, can't make the differentiation here, but if you could just hang tight, nobody go in the bathrooms, nobody checking Facebook or anything for the next few minutes, all right? Because Scripture is going to teach us and show us the ultimate freedom comes through the forgiveness found in Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21 says this, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, 
God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. This is a reference to Jesus becoming the sacrifice for the payment of sin for me and for you. He knew no sin, he now became sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Imagine if tomorrow morning the bank calls you, the credit card companies, however many they have, you have, calls you, and someone calls you and says, hey, I just need to let you know something. Someone called in today and they paid off your mortgage. They paid off your car payments. They paid off your college debts. They paid it all off. Yeah, some of you are like, oh man, I just went into a spiritual high right then in that moment. It would change your entire perspective. Because what? Because one of the greatest things this servant is carrying is what? The weight of debt. The weight of a debt that he cannot pay he's carrying this around the weight of this the stress of this the pain of this and jesus says to peter and to the disciples forgive him cancel the debt this is what god has done for you through jesus christ they're all stacked up your sinfulness your failures your lack of obedience all stacked up And God the Father sent His only Son, He who knew no sin, to become sin, to say, it's gone. I have forgiven. I have canceled your debt. It is no more. So out of that Spirit, not without that, through that Spirit of being reconciled, reunited with God, we then are given the opportunity to forgive. Not outside of that opportunity. Through the grace of Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Here's what's being offered for you. Before you start thinking about forgiving other people, I want to make sure you understand the forgiveness offered to you through Jesus Christ. Repentance does not simply mean stopping a behavior. Repentance means Stopping that behavior, going in the opposite direction, and running from that behavior. And here we read these words, but that you should reach repentance. A person experiencing repentance is broken, humbled, and seeks forgiveness through Jesus Christ. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Some of you know this verse. Would you read it with me? But God... But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Canceled your debt. You have all been offered forgiveness. Will you accept God's forgiveness and his patience? This is about you realizing your need for a Savior to heal you, to forgive you, to mature you, to bring you from spiritual death into spiritual life. But our responsibility to forgive others is rooted in this act. Understand that. Don't separate it from it. Your ability and desire to forgive others is rooted in the forgiveness offered to you through Jesus Christ. So when Ephesians 4 verse 32 says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, it doesn't stop there. 
As God in Christ forgave you, master, servant, you got the chance. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Those are fighting words. This morning I was on my computer. I don't know what day Earth Day is. I don't keep up with that kind of stuff. Um, kind of going on a little tangent here without a lot of time. You know the best thing you can offer to this planet? Forgiveness. You know one of the best things that you can offer to mankind, to those who despise you, to those who have rejected you, to those who have resisted you, to those who have offended you, forgiveness? One of the greatest things you can put on this planet be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. We have all been offered forgiveness. Will we forgive in return? Will we forgive in return? Now, here's what I don't want to happen. I don't want you to leave this place and send somebody a link to the podcast and say, you need to listen to this because you need, I need to forgive you, but I need to make sure that you know you need to be forgiven and that it's all good, right? That's, that's the servant to the other servant moment. But we need to live in this spirit of forgiveness. And so on the screen this morning is a prayer for you to possibly pray. It's not demanding of this. But as we begin our invitation and our time of response and our, we're going to sing for a moment before we respond, I, I want you to think through this small prayer heavenly father in that blank goes that person that's offended you that you're carrying a debt they have taken blank from me man my mom and dad when i was eight or nine not mine maybe one of yours my mom or dad eight or nine they got divorced and man they they owe me they don't even know they owe me, but they owe me because my habits changed. I started spending time in different places. They owe me. They can't even give you that back. And we're holding it up. Heavenly Father, this person has taken this from me. I have held on to this debt long enough. I choose to cancel this debt. Blank doesn't owe me anymore. Just as you forgave me, forgive that person. Heavenly Father, this person has taken this from me. I have held on this debt long enough. I choose to cancel this debt. They don't owe me anymore. Just as you forgave me, forgive them.